I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. We're back, bitches. We're back. <laughs> oh, my God. When I saw you, it Aww. was like when Offred saw Moira. Oh. And by Offred, I mean June. Who am I in this situation? I don't know. Like we're both the, we're both <laughs> equally June and Moira. But I was just like I haven't seen you in so long. It was really nice. It's been so long. And then I made you go in the bathroom to talk to me. Yeah, and it's we weird. and we like pulled that thing out of the toilet and we um, we murdered someone. Yeah. Anyway, it was great. Summertime <laughs> and the living sleazy. <laughs> it's so nice to be back with you. I really am excited. Too. I am also really really excited. So we're gonna do a book recap. Uh, whew, and we covered a lot less than, than I thought we did because we recorded this our third book recap before the show even happened. This it's been a long time <laughs> since we've read and we covered way less ground than I thought we did. We didn't even get to Jezebel's. In I, our knew, book recap. I knew that. You, oh, didn't you knew that. that? I, I knew that. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew what was. Okay. I knew what was coming. <laughs> I was prepared. All right. I um, had I had information on the inside, i.e. remembering what happened before. <laughs> wow, good job. Mr. Memory over here. Oh my yep, god. Yep. yep. Well, don't misgender me. Sorry. <laughs> but to start off a little bit, let's talk about uh, Handmaid's Tale actually garnered a whopping 13 Emmy nominations. Which is huge for Hulu. Ginormous this for Hulu. Puts Hulu on the map in a very significant way. They're now, you know, poised to yeah. be, uh, you know, walking around, uh, swinging their boobies in yeah. the same category as Netflix and Amazon. Absolutely. they And are. I said swinging their boobies instead of swinging their dicks because it's a show for women. I really like that. Yeah. No, I appreciate I that. I swing my boobies everywhere. I can't help but to. No, I mean, they're just, they go. <laughs> they do it. The categories that they're nominated in are Outstanding Drama Series. They're up against Better Call Saul, This Is Us, House of Cards, Westworld, The Crown, and Stranger Things. And I've seen a couple of those, and I still think Handmaid's Tale should sweep this. I think sweep Handmaid's this. Tale should sweep it. I would give the edge to Better Call Saul or Westworld because yeah. those are very like dude oriented shows. And I gotta say, I just finished Breaking Bad, so I'm very excited to begin Better Call I Saul. I love Breaking Bad so much and I have not watched a lick of Better Call Saul. Okay. I don't know why I don't care, but I don't. Wow. And I'm going with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think you might be right, but I my dream would be for Handmaid's Tale to swoop because I think it's I would, great. I would love it. I mean, I think it deserves to. I mean, Absolutely. from a technical perspective, I don't think any of these other shows is better. I genuinely don't. From and a technical perspective, maybe Westworld is the only one that's in that category. And I really like Westworld too, but I just feel like it didn't grab me the same way Handmaid's no. Tale did. And I, I'm super biased. I, I get it. I don't like Westworld I know that you much. Don't. <laughs> well, and it's just. It, do you think it's because I don't watch video games? That's been the diagnosis. I don't watch video games. I, I have watch video games. Exactly. This is how much we don't watch video games. Is that we call it watching video games? I hate video games so. I didn't know much. that about you. That's great. Oh God, no. I've I've played Portal, which I like mm-hmm. a lot, but I'm still bad at it. <laughs> I like Rayman and Donkey Kong Country on my oh. Wii. Um, and that's pretty much it. No, like, I hate video games. I hate ooh, fucking Wii golf. I used to play Wii golf all the time. Tiger Woods, like oh my god, thing. Yeah, you man, and such a good time. all the vampires in True Blood. Yeah, wow. yeah. Oh man, God, remember uh, True Blood? Yes, 
Oh, um, did you see Nelson yeah. Alice passed away? I did. I was very Lafayette. sad to see that. And, and of uh, alcohol withdrawals. That made me really sad. Yeah. It made me really, really sad. Um, yeah. So, hey, everybody who's listening, if you or someone you love is thinking about going through alcohol withdrawals on your own, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's very dangerous. They're also, I mean, to really roughly transition, uh, <laughs> I mean, still actresses are nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. Uh, Samira Wiley is nominated and Dowd is nominated, but... This is one that I have less faith in because they're up against Tandy Newton, who I think killed it in She's Westworld. She's the best part of Westworld. Oh my God. They're up She's against the best world. Uzo Aduba, one of my favorite actresses on the scene right now, but who I think has already gotten an Emmy. So I, I'm less yeah. in that camp. And Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Which I haven't watched at all. Nor have I. I don't like that what either. What does she play? Eleven? <laughs> Yeah, she's a little. I don't even know what that girl. means. I just like know that like when it was like Halloween, I knew people were dressing up as eleven, and I was like, I guess that's a thing. It was I cute. I tried to watch Stranger Things. I didn't like it. And what I realized was that I don't give a fuck about Steven Spielberg. So you know what? Watching, I think I'm the same way. Watching an homage to his work, I'm like, I don't care. I like Poltergeist. <laughs> I enjoy Poltergeist very much, but like you know, there's it's disputed how much he actually had to do with it and whether he was like secretly directing it, um. but. I just like that whole like wide eyed adolescence thing. She's so I mean, cute. Too. I've been, I've been, I, no, I don't mean her. I just mean the whole oh. Steven Spielberg. Like, oh, here's some children, aren't they? Yeah. I'm like, no, man. I've been like a 40 year old divorcee since <laughs> I was 10. Don't give me that crap, Steven Spielberg. Fair point. I was the May West of middle school. <laughs> I really enjoy that, and I think that's an apt characterization of yourself. Thank you. Uh, and then the last one, I guess, that we should talk about is Emos <gasps> is nominated for a Face Emmy. Oh, sorry. Lead Actress in a Drama Series. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, I think she has a much better... Has a, I a, think she has a great shot. Did she win an Emmy for playing Peggy Olsen? I want to say yes, but I'm not sure. I, but, th- I just think... I think the Academy likes her. I think, you know, she's, she's been around. She's paid her dues. Incredible actress. She, you know, she is a uh, Los Angeles native which i think is mm-hmm. helpful and people love this show and they love the performance yeah so it, and it's like to give her this award even if they don't give the show any other awards it's like oh look we did something for diversity even though you didn't kind of even as though diverse as a white woman gets uh yeah woman <laughs> well in this one i think she's up against people she could easily beat like she's up against evan rachel wood who's pretty good in westworld but it's still like me evan rachel wood i like evan rachel wood a lot and i don't think she's a great actress. Oh, really? I think she's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Speaking of True Blood, though, she should have won for True Blood. She was dope that, in True Blood. Okay, actually, I know I just thought I was the Mae West of middle school, but I'm actually Queen Sophie. <laughs> like, that was my profile picture for, you like, a Queen year. You Queen Sophie had a friend named Peppercress. And you know Queen Sophie was a Scorpio. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. If you're playing the, the Handmaid's Tale podcast drinking game, take a drink <laughs> of whatever you're drinking, because Kelly just brought up the fact that she's a Scorpio. Yep, I did. Oh, my God. Guess what else we need to talk about? Real okay, quick. are we done talking about Emmys? Um, no, but we can come back to it because it's. <laughs> guess what it is? It's my birthday week. It's your birthday week. So excited! It's legit your birthday week. Very excited! It's so exciting. So we put out a mini soda about that and about the activities that we'll be doing this week on our Facebook page. We're so- not going to Vegas. But we are oh, going God. to Chili's. I would never. I hate Vegas. I also so much. hate Vegas. Oh my gosh, we hate a lot of the same things. You know, they say that's what's the key to a long-term relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's better if you hate the same things than if you like the Perfect. same things. Perfect. So the only other Emmy nomination I want to talk about is Anne Crabtree, who created the costumes. Oh, what? That's such a funny name to me. Why is it so funny? Anne Crabtree sounds like a raw doll character. <laughs> 
Uh, well, look, she lives in a tree where she's been imprisoned by her weird aunt. Oh, perfect. <laughs> uh, so she's nominated for her costume design, I believe for that and for Westworld. Oh, man. Which give is her like, an Emmy. Yeah, just give her both. Well, Westworld costumes, I like them, but it's just like, it's... It's it's Old West. Yeah, that's easy. It's, 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 it's a very good execution on something that's been done to death. Yeah. Whereas this, I mean, Oof. I love this because it's futuristic clothing with character. I feel Absolutely. like so often you get into like a giver situation, Ugh. you know, where it's like same. Yeah, I agree same. with you. So I would give her this, this semi too. I agree. So good. So good luck, Handmaid's Tale. I really hope they take it. I'm going to call now. I think Emos wins it. I think Crabtree wins it. And my fervent hope is that it wins for best drama yeah but i don't think it's going to i'm gonna stay optimistic but then i, I was I all think f- it might be a show where like if they get three seasons maybe like the third season they win it god forbid they get three seasons <laughs> i'm so over it anyway you know if you don't want to keep doing this podcast you can just say oh no i want to keep doing this podcast with you till i'm dead i'm making up reasons to, to do this podcast i just i want it to stay good and it worries me if it goes on longer than two seasons i'm worried about a second season yeah i know look and I am remaining uncharacteristically optimistic about this second season. Well, we'll just see. Let us know on our Facebook page what you think about these Emmy noms and uh, whether or not you like Vegas or video games. Oh, and follow us on Twitter. I changed my Twitter handle. I don't think we've really talked about that yet. I had to change my Twitter handle for therapy reasons. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, everybody. No, I think that's good. Yeah, it was like healthy. It was a healthy choice. But so my Twitter handle now is at Kelly Anakin. And mine is still at Sirius Molly. And we're uh, we're on Twitter. We like your validation. So uh, I really like it. <laughs> I like getting those notifications. So keep them coming. Yeah. And also those followers. Yeah. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm even going to hit three thousand by the end of the year, though. Oh, but con- thank you to uh, all the followers that helped Kelly finally reach her goal of me getting a thousand Instagram followers without posting a picture. Oh my god, I so did. Oh my god, and you posted to the to the redheads. I that did. Was so sweet of, of you. Of course. Yeah. I'm even still, though that I'm is still nonsense. Very bad at Instagram, but. You get, you'll get better. I'll, I'll get better at it. There's just like a lot of choices. Yeah, it's There's so be many fun. filters. You'll get it. I wish they would have a Handmaid's Tale filter. You know, I'm kind of surprised they don't. Yeah, <laughs> that seems like more of a Snapchat integration. To Ugh. be perfectly honest, long live Snapchat. Snapchat's dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so let's get into our book recap. So, if you remember, hang on, hang on. I'm <laughs> I'm seeing your phone background. Is that Dom DeLuise? Yes, my lock with- screen is Dom DeLuise holding parrots and eating spaghetti what what's there to question I no don't this is brilliant and it's so on brand i'm really really happy so for many you. people have pictures of like their friends or their significant other as their lock screen and i'm just like i want to be happy first thing so i have dom deluise have you have you seen mine no <laughs> okay so for the listeners <laughs> kelly's lock screen is um a raptor riding on the back of a shark with dynamite in one hand and a gun in the other hand so yeah we're friends anyway we'll post both those to the facebook group because oh honestly God. you guys need to see both of these it's, images it's pretty great <laughs> Oh, weird girls for life. Um, Anyway, so the part that we left off last book recap, which I believe was the day of the breakfast cake, uh, was... Holy wow. I know. What a time. I know. Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen for president. Okay, it was chapter 35, which in my copy, which is uh, the trade paperback copy, is on page 224. And mine is the mass market paperback. It uh, looks like it was at least somewhat of a tie-in with the 1990 movie, uh, because it says, now a major motion picture on the back. I hate when they do that. <sighs> Me too. Anyway, it is page 290. 
Great. So if you'll just a quick recap of a recap, the last thing that we got was kind of the little interlude Moira talking about about uh, Alfred's mom, the commander's attempt to be a woke bay. Um, oh, commander. Yeah, just... Oh, book commander. Ugh, anyway. All right, so let's get into it. It opens with Alfred in her room. They talk a little bit about them, Luke and Alfred escaping their, uh, escaping their town, trying to cross the border. Book June is smoking. Love Hashtag it. love it. This has one of my favorite lines in the whole book mm-hmm. because she's talking about you know, the the process of them trying to flee the country. And, you know, she kind of closes with this line, I don't want to be telling this story. Mm. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I think everybody can relate to this, whether you have had to tell an unpleasant thing mm-hmm. in therapy or to a friend. Yeah. You know, so much of our lives, it's like, you know, we tell these stories about who we are and what made us who we are. But oftentimes we would just as soon forget about them. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good assessment of what's going on. And this whole uh, book is told through the lens of Alfred, kind of giving an oral history of what has been going on in her, because it's certainly not written. So then it's her and the commander having another conversation about love. So I'm tuning out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Molly is not here for the fake-ass love of book commander. I just don't like it. Um, But I like, again, we've got some wonderful Atwoodian double meaning uh, when she says, get it? See what I did there? Get it? She says, falling in love, we said. I fell for him. We were falling women. We believed this downward motion so lovely, like flying yet at the same time so dire, so extreme. And that's just beautiful prose, Mm -hmm. but it's also... Uh, speaks to kind of the vulnerability of love and sort of like it happens to you and it's it's so good but it's also so dangerous mm-hmm. it reminds me of did you ever read uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I did this reminds me of the part where they kind of say the only way you can fly is to forget that you can fall wow <laughs> I forgot about it. I think I only read it once and it was read to me while I had a migraine oh right isn't that sweet that's very cute well there is a part where people are spoiler having sex in the sky <gasps> And it is kind of that same thing of like, we just let's be present enough that Mm -hmm. we forget to fall. Yeah. I I like that. I think that's something interesting here. The more difficult. Oh, this will speak to you. (laughs) The the more difficult it was to love the particular man beside us, the more we believed in love. It's the freaking worst. (laughs) It's such a bad idea. Oh, my God. And so I know it's fine. I feel like I've turned a corner because like not only have I been on a vaginal sabbatical, I've been very much like love is stupid and fake. (laughs) But I read this really great article on the Internet today about decolonizing love. Mm hmm. And because we have talked about how romance is essentially violence against women, it's a form of violence. It can, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, not all, but you know what I'm saying. But I'm, like the, the notion, the of notion it. of romance is sort of this weird booby prize. Well, it's um, kind of like what they were just talking about. It's yeah. falling. It's so accidental, but also it could cause you harm. Yeah. But anyway, but this article was great because it was talking about. It was like one line is that if your self-esteem is tied to the esteem of this other person, run in the opposite direction. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. If only somebody had told baby (laughs) Kelly, other people don't matter, boo. Yeah. Man, so that's kind of interesting. She's she's kind of ruminating on love, uh, talking um, to the commander. And this kind of speaks to the idea that her love with Luke kind of came from a sort of taboo place of being from an affair. And how that kind of colors how you see your love. I love this. 
you'll have to forgive me. I'm a refugee from the past. And like other refugees, I go over the customs and habits of being I've left or been forced to leave behind me. And it all seems just as quaint from here. And I am just as obsessive about it. Oh, man. I said it before and I say it it again. The book is better than the show and the show is fantastic. (laughs) I sit in this chair and ooze like a sponge. Oh, this is just such... mm. This is tasty. This is tasty. Tasty, tasty, Maggie Atz. I missed this writing. It's so good. It's And you know what? This is what pisses me off is I don't think any line of dialogue, any line of description, any line, anything in Blind Assassin is as good as the worst sentence in The Handmaid's Tale. You mean Tale. Alias Grace? Alias Grace. I was what like, I don't say? you even, don't you even oh, step yeah. to me on Blind Assassin. I'm so sorry. I haven't read Blind Assassin. <laughs> no, I read it actually, I had the same thought. Like, I can't tell if it was just like, I knew you were going to say this. No. But it's true. Like, the, the prose in this is like electric and the prose in Alias Grace is so inert. It is, and it's not that I don't like it. And the... it's beautiful. Like, it's beautiful prose in Alias Grace, but mm. there's nothing driving it to me. Mm. I'm going to disagree with you about the beautiful prose. I think it's very interesting narrative, but the sentences themselves are not as juicy as they are in The Handmaid's Tale. But you're right. I haven't read Blind Assassin. I did mean Alias Grace. You're right. So in this next bit, she thinks Cora's come with the tray. Remember Cora? Yeah. There's no Cora in the show. Eh, Cora is superfluous. Like, I get it. I like Cora. is <laughs> nice, and she's afraid, and she's a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So in the show, they kind of meld Rita they and Cora. Okay. But I like it. They got a whole uh, Laurel and Hardy thing going on in the kitchen. <laughs> That's true. But she thinks it's Cora coming, but who is it? It's actually your problematic fave, Serena mm-hmm. Joy. Yes. I'm so bummed about book Serena Joy suddenly. Me too. I'm like, oh, but she doesn't look like Yvonne. I'm oh, so no. mad. I was re- flash reading the next couple of chapters that we're going to cover and they mention her cane. I'm like, oh. It's so interesting <laughs> to me that you think that the book is better than the show because I really feel like they're equal in my mind. Really? Yeah, because I think they did make a bunch of really great choices in the show uh-huh. that you know I like that Serena Joy so much better. Me too. And... I like Offred better in the book. I don't think that I do. I think that I do just because we get to know her more. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't know. I'm very, like, weirdly attached to book Offred. And I feel mm. like this is even contradicting something that I said before. I'm sure. It is. But, um, <laughs> no, but, like, the more I thought about it, it's like, you know, she's, she's much more active in this show and you have to be. Like, nobody mm-hmm. wants to watch a TV show about somebody who just, you know, sits in a chair and oozes like a sponge. <laughs> but it, there's something really vital about her voice here that isn't it's just not possible in the show Mm, because this entire book is told from her head so we just have a totally different relationship wow that's so interesting so if i'm understanding you correctly since show offred talks so much more it kind of she loses that allure of us just being in her head yeah her being exactly i i buy that i buy that but Um, again i just i feel like they're on pretty equal footing like the show and the book i think they both do different things equally well could be but i was skimming through this for the podcast today and i've read this book twice in the span of like two or three months and i was reading it just now being like oh fuck i want to do a full reread again i love this i want to read it from the very beginning again i mean i've read read i've reread it a bunch of times Mm -hmm. in my life okay i'll probably reread it again have you rewatched the show at all 
No, I, I haven't either. Right now. It's, I it's, just I just watched Breaking Bad, which gave me a lot more like uh, it dredged up a lot more divorce feels than I was expecting. Oh right! So I'm it having would. a really hard emotional time so with TV shows right now. Some, some light fare. Yeah, so I'm watching silly stuff. But right seriously, now. how much do you love in Breaking Bad, Lydia Rodart Quayle? I like her. Yeah, I uh, like her. Okay, as a Scorpio, I really oh like my her. God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, as a Cancer, I'm Jesus just very... Jesus Christ was not a Scorpio. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus Christ would be a... He would be a Capricorn, technically. Okay, but that's but not But he December. wasn't actually born in December, okay. so... <laughs> You know what? As a cancer, this bothers me. Like, I love everyone and I want to nurture everyone. But when you say you're a Scorpio, I want to punch you in the face. It's so weird because normally (laughs) cancers are super on board with Scorpio's bullshit. (laughs) You know, obviously I am because I'm here (laughs) and I love you. So it's false threats. Anyway, uh, Serena Joy comes in with... (gasps) The picture of the baby who we'll now call Hannah. Yeah, we can go ahead and call her Hannah. Oh my damn... And I'm kind of like, I, I, w- I remember being upset that it didn't happen this way in the show, but the way it happens in the show is so much scarier, uh-huh. I think. But um, Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it, it's just, it's a, it, the whole thing is very different in the show because as you always say, mm-hmm. they make what is implicit in the book explicit. So she looks like she's dressed for a first communion. Oh, it's so scary. Yeah, it's very scary. And, and she shows it to her for just a second. Then Alfred wants to kill someone. <laughs> Which is great because, again, this little paragraph at the end where she talks about, I'm, I'm lacking manual skills or teeth. I have both for it, however. That's why I'm not allowed a knife. Mm-hmm. So she talks, she's so violent. This little paragraph is that part in the book where she's raging in the car. So that's another yeah. great example of a show making wildly explicit what is yeah. so internal in the show. And I like both. I do, too. I like both. So it's very scary. All right, let's go to chapter 36. Uh, she, oh, God, this is so gross. <laughs> this is where she goes to meet the commander. I want to write, like, a sketch where, like, book commander and show commander just, like, outgross each other. Ew. <laughs> Ew. You know, the commander is totally one of those guys, I know I've said this before, but it still tickles me, who calls his friends good sir. Oh, God. Which, and he calls women milady. After you, Molly. And he does it like right here. He, he does says, it right Greetings. Here. How is the fair little one this evening? Like, oh. go, go fuck yourself, dude. I hate this like fake courtliness that people do nowadays. I don't think it's cute. I don't, I hate I it mean, when men do it. Let's be real. The courtliness back in the day, also fake. That's like the whole point <laughs> of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> so he is all of a sudden very courtly towards her really gross i hate it this is when he's standing by the fireplace like in a pose like he was like he's like come in he's like oh i was just standing here oh i didn't see you there (laughs) get it (laughs) (laughs) so he says he has something for her she says i think one of the only funny lines book offered is allowed when he says i have something for you something you'll like what's that i say chinese checkers Bam. Solid. But it's that he has her, he, ha- he has her address. Uh, he, he bought her a dress to go to Jezebel's in. <laughs> Peppa Chris? Peppa Chris, I bought you a new dress from in town. new dress, Peppa Chris. Look, Sorry. We, we ate Peppa Chris before and now we are stuck in an infinite loop. Where that is somebody's name and we are referring to them. Peppa Chris? Peppa Chris? Peppa Chris? Don't say too much about Peppa Chris. 
<laughs> the first rule of peppercress is don't talk about peppercress. Incidentally, peppercress is delicious. Mm. You should eat it. So good. Anyway, he the the outfit that he gives her in the book is more garish than the one that she has in the show. Yeah, in the show it's very like it's Great tasteful. Gatsby. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, we're pretending that they're not prostitutes. Whereas here, it's like, hey, you clearly are a stripper or something. Yeah, it's like, I think it has like marabou and like uh, purple and stuff. the hell in the past was like, you know what would be great on like sexy lingerie? Marabou. I'm actually all for it. You're all for marabou. Maybe that's because Miss Piggy was my sexual awakening, but... Just kidding. <laughs> but I do like it. Like, I was also the Miss Piggy of middle school. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've been like the Miss Piggy, like Karen Walker, like of any place where I am. Also, um, yeah, he gets her this outfit. He gets her the makeup and they're going to go. So he gets her dressed up for Jezebel's. Anything to say about this? Yeah, I like they go into the details of when they got rid of all of this kind of clothing. Mm-hmm. They called it the Manhattan cleanup in New York. And they took the manufacturers and the mm-hmm. importers and salesmen and, and put like dunce hats basically on them that said shame. Ugh. And I mean, you know, say what you will about the Republic of Gilead, but they were thorough. Well, yeah, they were extremely thorough in shaming the hell out of everybody. That's right. But again, it comes for like when they come for the least of me, we said nothing. So it it harkens back to this idea that there was this huge wipeout of like sex workers and nobody said anything because they were kind of like, we could use fewer of those people anyway. And it's like, oh, that was only the beginning. I wrote the note that says hatred of women is the issue and a non-nuanced understanding is an issue. And I, I think that still holds true. The whole thing with the makeup is different here. This commander to me doesn't seem to get off on on dolling her up yeah because he just said you'll need to paint your face too i've got the stuff for it you'll never get in without it like he's not a connoisseur i agree of women's beautification the way that the show commander is agreed the show commander is like listen you need the naked palette uh, i mean you do like let's <laughs> not be ridiculous uh, this podcast now brought to you by urban decay oh girl i wish, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> all right so then they leave. She takes Serena Joy's cloak. Also, this makeup is so boo-boo. <laughs> this makeup is like the worst like drugstore wet and wild nonsense. Because it smells elf. of artificial grapes. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Gross. So they're going through the checkpoints. Her dressed as a wife. And she has to get down in this one. And it means she gets down on the floor mats, I believe. We're in the in the show, I think she just goes down in his lap, mm-hmm. which is even worse, I think. They get to Jezebel's without much much to do. And here we go. Chapter 37, they're inside. Again, it's that hotel. There's men and women. She talks about it's strange to see women with makeup because she hasn't seen women with makeup in a long time. And in the book, it is the hotel that she went to with Luke or one mm-hmm. of the hotels that she went to. So it's strange. Mm-hmm. to be there again in this very unusual circumstance. And again, we see kind of the melange of like weird men's fantasies um, in the way that people are dressed up because they have people in like a mermaid outfit and then jogging shorts and in uh, like a 80s like leg warmers outfit and in a <laughs> cheerleader costume. And it's just, 
it's so interesting. I wish that they had mentioned like they do in the show that there are some that are dressed as handmaids. Yeah. Because I think that has to be a fetish. I think that's such an interesting thing. And mm-hmm. again, this is so much more tawdry than Jezebel's in the show. Which I miss. I wish Jezebel's was a little more tawdry. Yeah. I, I like the tawdriness, but uh, what are you going to do? I love this line. There are a great many buttocks in this room. I am no longer used to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate. And I like... Book Offred is so clinical. I like that. And I also like that. It is what I aspire to be. Well, you're right. It is an incredibly different characterization mm-hmm. from Show Offred because they made the point that Show Offred is snarky. Mm-hmm. Show Offred is smart and kind of talk backy. And Book Offred is just soaking all of this stuff in. Yeah. And she's an observer, she's yeah. not an actor. All right, he tells her not to stare and he says, don't lose your nerve. They go to get a drink. Trying to think of what is important. They see there's uh, some Japanese, they're not tourists per se, but there's some businessmen and some Arabic guys Mm -hmm. are there as well. He tells her it's a club and he says, you know, he says Mm -hmm. they call it that among themselves. And she's like, "Uh, this is against the law, right? And he's like, well, officially, he says, but everyone's human after all. And she asks what he means. And he's like, it means you can't cheat nature and that men require variety and all this stuff. And like, I, I am not opposed to this logic, Mm -hmm. but what always winds up happening. And you saw this in the sexual revolution in the sixties and you see it now current day in the polyamorous community. You know, the men always seem to have the upper hand in these quote unquote, you know, free love Mm -hmm. type situations not that this is free love by any means this is a very coerced situation but it's like the idea like oh like men require a variety of sexual partners it's like well then if that's true why Mm -hmm. have you created the entirety of society to make women feel bad about everything (sighs) because if you want to have a variety of partners that's fine it shouldn't really be a problem for a woman to have a variety of partners except that you're all so concerned with paternity Mm -hmm. which i think is so stupid oh Boy, you said a great thing there. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Well, it's just kind of like what what he says when he claims that this is a society that's better for women. Mm-hmm. It's really not. It's, it's better in your limited understanding of women. Mm-hmm. And so I think to carry to your point, the limiting understanding there would be that women don't want variety. Yeah. And that can be true. Sure. There's plenty of women who you know, have gotten their whole lives and only had sex with one person. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of men who've done that as mm-hmm. well. I think, you know, and I feel like this is true across the board, like whether you're talking about like what people should eat Mm. or how they should exercise Mm. or what clothes they should wear, what kind of relationships they should have. Everybody wants there to be one answer. Yeah. Everybody Mm. wants there to be one answer. Even if you find the one answer that works for you, Mm -hmm. you want everybody to do the same thing. Boy. And I find that so frustrating. That's kind of the founding principle of Gilead. No. Yeah. It's that everybody should be exactly the same. And it's just not, that's human nature. Mm -hmm. That's what you can't cheat is that you cannot force humanity to all do the same thing. Totally. And that's why we have wars. You know what? You said nothing I disagree with. Great. (laughs) Great. 10 points to Scorpio. (laughs) My Lord. (laughs) This is interesting is they talk about that you can do business at Jezebel's can overhear things to information. A man will sometimes tell a woman things he wouldn't tell another man. So mm-hmm. the commander's like, this is a 
like a good networking place to be. Yeah. A strategic place to be too. And you know what's funny is he doesn't get the irony of what he's saying because he's actually giving, he thinks he's perceiving other men doing this. But what's happening is he's also telling Offred mm-hmm. stuff that he shouldn't be telling because yeah. she's a woman. And I love when he offers her a drink, she says, I'm not supposed to, I say, as you know. Mm-hmm. Offred in the book is this particular kind of prude that I love. Mm-hmm. Like she's being prudish, not because she necessarily wants to, but she's like, bitch, I know the rules survival prudishness yeah that's how i was in high school (laughs) (laughs) thank you catholic school Uh but then she has gin which we debated whether or not that was her drink or not but i think that's okay i think that's a fine drink for her to have in the show i think she has manhattan okay and then here we go she sees moira She's dressed absurdly in a black outfit of once shiny satin that looks the worse for wear. It's strapless, wired from the inside, pushing up the breasts. But it doesn't quite fit, Moira. It's too large. So that one breast is plumped out and the other one isn't. (laughs) And uh, she goes through, oh my God, the, the bunny tail. So it's a Playboy bunny costume. But she says the tail looks like a sanitary pad that's been Ew. popped like a piece of popcorn. Ew. That's so great. Very good description. I'll say once more, I like that it's Playboy because it's so supposedly liberated but actually mm-hmm. oppressive. Yes. Which I'm not sure I believe totally, but I think that's one well, kind of reading you know, of it. There's there's a sense in which, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to completely decry the entire sexual revolution because some mm-hmm. amazing things did come out of it. Yeah. Playboy is to me one of the more innocuous parts of it because if you look at like the hippies and it is the 50th anniversary of the summer of love here in the Bay Area in case you have managed to go that long in the city without seeing all of the stuff. I'm about to go to the de Young next weekend. But so those folks didn't have the resources to handle the consequences of free love versus Playboy is positing like, hey, be a man of means believe in women's sexual liberation, believe in birth control, Mm -hmm. you know, believe that you can have sex without immediately getting married and having children. It's just a very different concept, but it's also like, you know, be responsible, be responsible about the possibility of getting an STI, be responsible. And you know, it, it, it morphed and became different things. But at the time when Playboy first started, that's kind of remarkable. I think it's incredibly remarkable. It is still, putting men above women it still objectifies women and suggests you know they are prizes to be won versus human beings uh, agreed but i still think like you said it's, it's worth noting how radical it is but also how how nuanced that is how mm-hmm. that can be awesome and also problematic and then we get in tr- i get in trouble every time i spend too much time talking about playboy and not enough talking about i don't know the myriad other um symbolism behind rabbits of course rabbits are sexuality rabbits are fertility but there's also the idea of rabbit like the rabbit test is a pregnancy test mm-hmm. so there good job, great job. That's there's great. lots of reasons moira's a rabbit water okay. down the wicker man um peter rabbit Vel- beatrix potter velveteen rabbit absolutely very sad kill your kid if they uh, rabbit call run him. uh nobody likes john updike but you know it, uh, it's a thing that exists uh let's see uh chocolate rabbits love mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Daisy's one-person show in Spaced, where she just goes, rabbits, 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 rabbits. The uh, vibrator, in, the rabbit? In that might World actually... World War II, dried rabbit's blood was used to confuse Nazi sniffer dogs who were looking for Jewish people who were in hiding. Oh, weird. Yeah, they used a mix of rabbit's blood and cocaine. I learned that in a young adult book called Number the Stars by Lois Lowry. Ooh. Probably my second favorite young adult author after Madeline Langle. Oh! <gasps> 
Molly. I have no thoughts on this, so you're Molly, talking by I know, yourself. I know, but you know, look, Madeline Langle is my J.R.R. Tolkien, mm-hmm. except if J.R.R. Tolkien like did not suck balls. Um, <laughs> no, listen, I know there's people listening to this podcast who are so amped sure. for this Wrinkle in Time movie. It is all of my dreams. Yeah. All of my dreams. Every dream I've ever had is this movie, and I'm so excited. That's so great. when I'm sad in the next, what, six months or so until it comes out in March, uh, all I'm going to think about is, oh, it's going to be okay, Kelly. Wrinkle in Time, directed by Ava DuVernay, is coming mm. out. Oh, so perfect. Chris Love Pine. Oh, man. I would do despicable things to Chris Pine. Mm, I would, I'd be like, Chris Pine. Oof. I don't know if I'm ready to settle down again, but boo. Oof, I would. But boo. Anyway. When I'm ready. Oof. You better be ready. Daddy. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so she sees Moira. They kind of make eye contact. I also like this line. How can this bedraggled costume appeal? So everybody yeah. looks pretty run down yeah. versus, again, in the show, everybody looks pretty okay. I mean, it's, it's kind of catch as catch can. Yeah. But it is the idea. It's like, okay, so these guys recreated everything. They got rid of all this stuff. And now they're settling for this, like, super low rent community theater version <laughs> of what they think they want. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, it's just all contraband. Yeah. So that's interesting that like, even when they're getting what they want, it's still kind of a facsimile of what they really yeah. want. Everybody, nobody is getting exactly what they want. Everybody's getting like diet, what they want. And it's so funny too, because you got to figure, I mean, the rest of the world is still going on. Presumably. Maybe. Yeah. It sounds so like we don't really know. Japan is, we know much more in the show about at least like North America, what's going mm-hmm. on. But, and yeah, I mean, the middle East is still happening. I mean, presumably, you know, that's never going to change because oil. Interesting. All right. So, uh, Moira kind of makes a face similar to the one that she made when they were at the red center that says meet me in the bathroom, AKA the face all women know how to make. <laughs> um, and so she gives the commander the slip and goes to meet Moira in the washroom. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, and oh, they yeah, can she only has a tag on, like she's got a tag that like says she is one of the, the prostitutes. Yeah. And so that's kind of gross. It's yeah. like, it's like your luggage tag almost, but on a woman, All right. In chapter 38, she goes to the washroom and is told by a woman with a cattle prod, an aunt, that she has only 15 minutes left in there. Well, I think they only get 15 minutes, period. Right. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yep. And you even have like a checkout key to get in. And we show some of the Jezebels trying to get back in, but they can't get in. All right. It's regular washroom, except for I like this this, uh, sentence that says, there's a perfume in the air and a stale smoke and the scent of working flesh. Yes. Good. She sees Moira. Oh. And they kind of decide that it's okay to talk. And they hug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Moira still got her sort of gallows humor. Mm-hmm. She asks uh, if they can talk and wants to know if it's bugged. And Moira's like, yeah, probably. But they're like, we're just going to talk anyway. <laughs> they give her a cigarette. Lucky bitches. I'm. This is this is how terrible nicotine addiction is. <laughs> is that I'm reading a dystopian novel where women are forced to reproduce against their will, and I'm like, man. But if I could just have a cigarette, you are so funny because <laughs> in the last book recap, you talked about that same thing. <laughs> I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did because literally every day I'm like, man, cigarettes. Sherman is those. <laughs> do you know what a merry widow is? Do you know what a merry widow oh, is? Oh, can you explain it to me? A merry it widow. It says one of the 
women in Jezebel's is wearing a baby blue lace up Mary Widow. What that? It's like a corset. Ooh. But I believe it does not necessarily cover your boobs. Okay. It's, so it's, it's like, like it, it's like a mini corset, basically. Um, huh. It might cover the boobs. I can't remember. It's kind of it's like a waist cincher. Okay. So it's like corset adjacent. Yeah, okay, it's corset adjacent. Interesting. I have never been able to fit in one, so I've never had one. So, so I love this line that says, what the hell are you doing here? Moira says then. Not that it isn't great to see you, but it's not so great for you. What'd you do wrong? Laugh, his, laugh at his dick? <laughs> Funny. So it says, sounds like Moira slept with the commander, which doesn't really matter, but they only have a few minutes to talk about everything. And Moira, here's where we see Moira being super defeated as she goes, uh, we don't have much time left. Tell me everything. And Moira shrugs. What's the point? But she knows there is a point. So she does. So Moira, during two bathroom sessions, tells the story of how she escaped the Red Center. Uh, and it's similar to the way it goes down in the show. But of mm-hmm. course, Action Offred does not make an appearance here. Nope. And so, uh, you know, she she got out. So she is trying to get hooked up with the underground female road. She meets up with some Quakers. Quakers are always good for uh, a subversive exit. Oh, man. So sorry, again, to talk about a book that's not this book. Did you read that book of the unnamed midwife? No, no. Ooh, boy, it is really good. But it also deals with um, how certain religious group groups react to dystopia. Uh-huh. And it, that's a very interesting dynamic to explore. You oh, should read cool. that book. It's I will. I, I saw it, but I didn't read too much about the thread because I hadn't read it yet. And I didn't want okay. spoilers. I own it. You can borrow it. Okay, cool. Okay, anyway. So she talks about having to escape, hanging out with the quakes. And she does eventually get caught. She got up to Maine in a truck full of ki- uh, chickens. <laughs> you were about to say kittens? I w- No, actually, I was about to say ch- uh, kitchens. Oh. <laughs> Either one of those would Look, be preferable to a truck full of chickens. Listen, uh, sometimes I'm like, am I like 1% dyslexic? I don't know. <laughs> but she says, you ever thought what it would be like to be shat on by a truckload of chickens, <laughs> all of them car sick? I'm like, no, I haven't. Uh, doesn't sound fun. Does not, Kelly. Does not. Death first. She gets caught, and basically, you know, they give her the choice of going to the colonies or being a Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, uh, I don't want to go to the colonies, so I'll do this, please. So they say everyone at Jezebel's is sterile, which makes sense. But I think some people were asking us about that when we were watching the show. So Yeah, they wouldn't waste a fertile woman. Mm-hmm. On Jezebel's. Although, I mean, be a good way to to see what sticks. I guess they're not, you know, acknowledging that men can't be fertile, but you yeah. know, just run a train on somebody, get her pregnant. Well, it sounds like they're very, very careful about it because it says when they're unsure, they do a little operation on you. So there won't be any mistakes. I'd say it's about a quarter men in the colonies, too. Not all of those gender traitors end up on the wall. Oh, she's not talking about Jezebel. She's talking about the colonies. Yeah. Oh, the colonies well, she's, she's is where about both. Interesting. Yeah, boy, gosh, do you think there's any chance in this next season of the show that we'll see the colonies? Maybe I know that Oy. Bruce Miller. So they're going to talk about Alfred's mom. I saw that. I was appreciative I'm really of that. About that, I really liked that. So I don't know. I mean, we could go anywhere. Yeah, we've gone places we weren't expecting to go already. So this is great. She kind of. I agree. So I, I'd be interested to see that. She describes what it's like to live at Jezebel's. And she says, so here I am 
They even give you face cream. Ooh. No butter here. No butter. No butter here. Did you see somebody was real sour on Facebook? No, they were excited about it. No, there was another person who was like, you guys talk about that way too much, considering how little it was in the book. And I'm like, bitch. Okay. Face butter is bae. Come on. You tell me that. <laughs> I know in this book of like horrible, horrible treatment of people. It's strange that we are so stuck on <laughs> she put butter on her face. It is not strange at all. But that stuck out to us. It's weird. And we're not the only ones, okay? Yeah. You're this in is, the minority. This is universal. <laughs> so what brings us together, redheads? Uh, how would you feel about being at Jezebel's versus being a handmaid? Uh, it's tough. I feel like that. I mean, but we both know I'd wind up being an aunt. If I was if I was not fertile. Not the question, Kelly. I know. Not the question. Okay, fine. I don't know. I think I think it's exactly the same, but you get used up faster. Maybe. My thoughts about Jezebel's I think you are onto something, but also my thoughts about Jezebel's is that you get to hang out with other women and talk to other you women. You do get to hang out with other women and talk to other women, but you know, you you have no status. And not yeah. that it's particularly important, but mm. we do see throughout the book Alfred kind of clinging to when she's done well, like these mm. very small mercies that she's granted. I don't know, and, man. And I mean, she does only have to have sex once a month with somebody that she doesn't like versus every single day. That's true. That's important. Yeah, I, I can't I can't quite make up my mind. I think they're two terrible signs yeah. of a real shitty coin. I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't really have an answer myself, but I do like that in Jezebel's you can drink and hang out with women which are two of my favorite things to do and if you could put them together that sounds awesome I think before I stopped drinking Jezebel seemed a lot more that's true admirable although honestly if I was in a Gilead situation I don't know if I'd stay sober I'm not sure it'd be worth it (laughs) talk to me talk to me when it happens and we'll see if I made it through but Uh, and I don't mean to be facetious about uh rape and whatever happens about Jezebel's I was just (laughs) I was just teasing about drinking and hanging out with girlfriends. I know Jezebel's is in brunch. Look, (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) I was making a silly. Yeah. And the mimosas are terrible. Oh God. The mimosas and Jezebel are made with soju. You fucking know it. Yeah. And like so little sparkling wine. That is such a crime. Mm -hmm. Anytime they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we have Bloody Marys for sure. It's like, really? You don't have a liquor license. Oh yeah, yeah. It's with wine. Like, ew. Get out of here. Those disgusting. Those are the people that should be killed first. (laughs) In our in our Gilead. In my Gilead, people who think it's acceptable to drink Bloody Marys with soju are dead. (laughs) Dead. (laughs) I don't even retract that. I stand by that. Okay, so she's talking about what she wants from Moira. And what she wants is reassurance because Moira has always been the action friend, you know, the friend who is strong and salty and has a grit to her. And to see her defeated like this is upset. She says, I want gallantry from her, swashbuckling, heroism, single-handed combat, something I lack. And she's just, she's not getting any of that from her. And that's what's heartbreaking. So, oh God, this is so sad. This is so sad. So they talk about how Here's the story. Here's what I'd like to tell you. I'd like to tell you the story about how Moira escaped for good this time. Or if I couldn't tell that, I'd like to say she blew up Jezebel's with 50 commanders inside. I'd like her end to be something daring and spectacular, some outrage, something that would befit her. But as far as I know, that didn't happen. 
I don't know how she ended or even if she did because I never saw her again. So this is what's very different about book versus show is yes. we don't get a we don't get a satisfying end to Moira. Yeah, I mean she just, you know, she's just drifting along in Gilead yeah. because nobody really has a choice. Yeah. The only choice is to submit or die. But I mean this makes me appreciate the show because the show does give give Moira that kind of hero's exit that we wanted mm-hmm. and that offered wanted and I oh I am excited kind of like how I'm hoping this season of Game of Thrones we get some more Starks back together uh-huh because I'm really excited for the moment if there happens in the next season of Handmaid's Tale if Moira and June get back together yes I agree I'm more I'm almost more excited about that than if she meets Luke again wow female friendships are the most important thing in this entire world <laughs> See, I'm all about the Luke and Nick showdown Ooh. because you know I love a try. You know I have a problematic Ooh. love triangle where everybody has a good claim. Oof. And everybody's mad. Oof. And then I can do my Quinn Morgendorfer impression and be like, "You guys, stop <laughs> fighting over me." <laughs> That's funny because the reference I was thinking of was a uh, crazy ex girlfriend, like, the math of love triangles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully we'll see either one of those. Please, in this relationship, you are the Daria and I'm the Quinn. In this relationship. In our relationship. I am a Quinn. You are a Quinn? Mm-hmm, I'm a Quinn. I think I am as well. I thought I was a Daria for years and then I realized I was a Quinn and Me everything too. made sense. Me too. Because it's like, yes, I'm ugh. cynical, but I'm also very concerned with being cute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, though, I'm a Judy funny from Doug, but. <laughs> uh, yes, you are. Anyway. Yes, you are. Uh, all oh, right. God. Chapter. She was so dramatic. I love her. <laughs> chapter 39. So. Ugh. Gross. We don't need to belabor this chapter. The first sentence is the commander has a room key. Gross. Uh, what did I write here? Oh, she's back in. I wrote she's back in a hotel room just to kind of juxtapose this time her in likely the same hotel with the commander versus when she describes like sort of those interesting encounters with Luke. Yes. In a hotel. And like the paintings and the, the mm-hmm. sense of waiting. Ah, this is beautiful. Uh, she's talking about in the bathroom and she goes, she's looking at the, the towels and she goes, once they would have excited me, they would have meant the aftermath of love. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, it breaks my heart. We get a little more info from Moira. Moira saw Alfred's mom. She was in the colonies. Mm. Um, so, you know, she was there and Alfred says, I thought she was dead. And Moira says, she might as well be. You should wish it for her. God, the colonies. I I really hope we do see the colonies because the colonies always fascinated me. We have to see him if we're going to see this Alfred's is actually, mom. When, you know, before I did this reread, this is always the first thing I think about when I think about Alfred's mom mm. is like Moira seeing this movie and seeing her. It's like, it's that juxtaposed with like the, the movies of like women demonstrating mm-hmm. that's Alfred's mom to me. I agree with you. Gosh, I can't, that's somebody I would be so excited to see. And it talks about sort of before Alfred is taken, they talk about, um, you know, her realizing that her mother has, has flown, has already found a way to leave town or has been taken because uh, she tries to make calls to find her and she can't find her and it looks like her house has been broken into. Um, so yeah, that's a pretty scary part. <laughs> and we get a little of the bond between Moira and mm. Alfred's mom where she says uh, she's neat, she's got pizzazz, she's cute. She's not cute, I would say. She's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Again, she thinks she thinks somehow her mother's going to get out of it, but she, in reality, is like, this is not going to happen. Yeah, she has hopes for her mother and Moira, but you know, they've both in certain ways got a more raw deal than she got out of this. Oh, totally. Well, and you know, it's interesting, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but her sort of 
submissiveness and lack of radical politics has saved her in Gilead. Sure. To an extent. Absolutely. It I has. mean, she is so milquetoast in middle of the road. She's exactly what they want in a handmaid. Absolutely. Yeah. She's just, she's like, oh, hey guys, like I don't like anything to be too hot or too cold or, yeah. you know, my favorite color is beige. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's, sur- it's survival dullness. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I think what's the saddest part about the Jezebel section is not, you know, that she's put in danger by coming here or even that she is softly raped by the commander at the end. Ugh, I don't like that phrase. I know, but it is. I if know, we're gonna, I know, I know. Yeah. It's the saddest part to me is her. Somebody losing. tell Whoopi Goldberg we have a new rape classification. Oh, no. Is to, the saddest part to me is her losing faith in these strong women who she assumed would continue being strong. Yep. Ugh, terrible. Oh my God. This here at the end. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's trying to get, get it on with her and, oh God. So she, you know, this is grosser than any ceremony because it's him trying this facsimile of intimacy, which is the ickiest. Fake it. I scream at myself inside my head. You must remember how. Let's get this over with. You. Be here all night. Be stir yourself. Move your f- flesh around. Breathe audibly. It's the least you can do. And we actually did see that in the show. We yeah. saw her not reacting and then suddenly being like, oh, right. Yeah. I have to do this. Man. Yeah. So that's all we're going to cover for this episode. So I think we'll do one more. Yeah. One starting more. Starting which- with, with, I think this might be the final night. <laughs> The night to end all nights. And in the in the trade paperback, it starts with chapter 40 on 259. And in the mass market paperback, it is chapter 40 on 335. If you're on Kindle or some other version, God help you. Yeah. <laughs> so what's great about this next section that we'll, we'll cover in our next episode is it's got a lot to go. We got a participation. We got a... You know, all kinds of stuff. We got the epilogues. So, so Gosh, I forgot how backloaded the book is. It really Because the is. show moved so many things up. It really does. And really, nothing really started happening until she went to Jezebel's. And then it's just going to be like, bam, 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 all the way to the end. Oh, boy. Well, as always, you know, take care of your female friends. Take care of yourself. Eat some peppercress. Eat some peppercress. Good Lord, eat some peppercress. Oh, my God. And uh, oh, participate in our birthday week stuff on Facebook because it's going to be real, real It's going to be great. And, so that's uh, about it. Yeah. Except for Nolite Tebastardes Carborundorum. Dum da dum 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 da dum 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 da dum 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 da dum 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 dum. Let's go to Chili's.
Chris. <laughs> Pampa Chris. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. Oh, God.